Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Haven Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. Uh, if you want to find that a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. Org. And uh, we're live streaming now, so if you click on a button, you can listen to us uh, anywhere in the city, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Again, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens, and we are here with Jerry Crawley. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, uh, Jerry is uh, sort of an uh, experienced broadcaster, and he's talking about coming over here to uh, do a little something, something on 106.5 with us. So, uh, Jerry, tell us about your journey. Uh, how did you get to radio? Uh, what makes you, uh, what makes Jerry Crawley tick? Well, first of all, I'm just so honored to be here um, and to be in this place, in this hallowed ground right here. You know, because a, a lot of people have uh, made this platform available for moments like this, and I greatly appreciate being able to be here. Um, well, it all started with the Arsenio Hall show. Okay. <laughs> and and I, I was so inspired by Arsenio about how he was able to take his platform and bring people from all walks, walks of life together. It didn't matter who you are or what you thought you were or whatever. He brought it together and for an hour at night. Uh, you were caught up in the dog pound, woofing and woofing and changing the whole culture. And I just loved the way Arsenio with class and dignity. And as a black man was uh, at that time in the 80s, um, early 90s, uh, you didn't see that a lot uh, being portrayed at late night because it was a host of other um, late night talk hosts that um, – didn't reflect black people. <laughs> and um, Arsenio was that template for me. So um, back then, um, there was uh, public access television here in local. And I started the Jerry Crawley show on that. And, and it was about giving people uh, opportunity, just like Arsenio, uh, to connect people to people that may have never, ever um, acknowledged or thought of that person that you see sitting on the bus stop 24-7 or that person that you see at the counter. Uh, but if you take time to listen and to engage those people, you find out you have a lot more in common than you think that you do. So uh, that's a good reference point because Arsenio in, in Late Night, you know, he said that uh, he couldn't get the uh, the guests that were coming on the other Late Night programs. They yeah. wouldn't come on his show. So he was forced to do things in a different way. So he brought on uh, rappers and and comics that that really uh, hadn't been exposed uh, to uh, national television, and it was the really it was the hottest show in town. Yes, uh, big simply because he was doing that. Right. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, and he would turn on. He would open the show sometimes without a monologue, depending on who he had on. Yes. And he would say uh, he just opened the show, and he'd say. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Green, because mm -hmm. Al Green had just come out of kind of semi-retirement, mm -hmm. and uh, Al would, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
um, whatever you want, you know. So, 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 and then uh, he brought on one of the hottest. Uh, uh, he, he let um, he let he let MC Hammer take over the show. Yes, uh, back when MC Hammer had it had the balloon pants. Yes, can't touch this. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. And then who did he let? T- he let two live crew come on and take over the show. Oh yes, he did. Uh, yes, he, so uh, and people had never seen anything like that on TV before. Never, <laughs> you never. know. And so he let them take over the show, and the and the and the two live crew would be roaming up in the audience, and uh, uh, so, uh, so people haven't seen that. You don't see you don't see two live crew roaming up in the audience on the on the, on the Tonight Show. You didn't see that. Didn't see it at all. <laughs> didn't see it at all. And, and and with that said, it just broadened a lot of those brands, and and it broadened like you said with Al Green. It brought a new fan base. Uh, introduced them to a new fan base that it had, and 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 like you said, uh, um, a lot of the artists didn't need introduction, you know, just by the name alone. Like when Prince was on there, you know, it, it just was amazing, just amazing to see what he could do. And so they, uh, they, they, you know, they, and so I remember a time on there. Uh, 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 Jim Brown, I remember the famous uh, athlete uh, mm-hmm. Jim Brown, uh, uh, baddest man in football, greatest running back that ever was, b- set all the records back when they only played 12 games. He only played nine seasons and they only played 12 games. And they still talk about how they broke Jim Brown's record. And I, I'm saying, what you mean you broke Jim Brown's record? He only played nine years and played 12, 12, uh, 12 yes. games. So you didn't break his record? Yeah. You, 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 you get, you're playing, what, 15, 16 15, games? Yeah, yeah. Come on now. But anyway, so they had Jim Brown on it because uh, he had met, cracked the joke because it had been some kind of thing that happened that was covered in Spike Lee's version of uh, uh, some Jim Brown All-American where allegedly – uh, you know, Jim Brown got this house in Hollywood Hills, and at one time it was like an open house. It was Party Central. And so uh, uh, allegedly, uh, at least the media said that the Jim had thrown some lady out out, out the window. Uh. And uh, uh, and so our senior cracked the jug saying, shoot, if you want a lady, all you have to do is go to Jim Brown's house and hold out your arms. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jim was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and so... Uh, That's funny. Uh, and so... Uh, it's not right, but it was funny. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jim Victor comes on the show. They kind of like stare at each other to clarify the situation. But, but what's interesting? Years later, you know, Spike Lee did the documentary Jim mm-hmm. Brown All American. Yeah. And so Spike actually interviewed the lady. Wow. And the lady said, "I love Jim. I love Jim. Uh, I jumped out the window on my own." Oh wow! <laughs> That's what wow. she said. That's what she said. She, wow. uh, she said, "I love Jim." She was like some kind of Eurasian uh, uh, lady, <laughs> and uh, she said, "I jumped out the window on my own." So it's in the documentary. Don't take my word for it, because I have actually have that documentary. Because when Wild and Wooly Video went out of business, I went over there to pick up the scraps for two dollars. <laughs> yeah. And so if y'all remember Wild and Wooly, I was, remember Wild and Wooly. Yeah. yeah. So was, I saw Rudy Ray Moore and Wild and Wooly. Oh, <laughs> uh, you go. So. Uh, uh, so I went over there to pick up the scraps when the man was shutting down. I said, man, it's a shame that you shut down. He said, well, ain't nothing I can do. But uh, 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 so, yeah, uh, and uh, recording artists that he had on, uh, LL Cool J and all of them that came on at that time, you know. Right. So, uh, so yeah, he really did. And uh, 
And then I think he stayed on about five years, and he was kind of like Milton Berle. They like uh, paid him to paid him to go home, and so he took he took the money. Uh, it was like when Milton Berle was like the biggest thing in TV. He got they actually paid him to quit. And they, so wow. Milton was like, oh, well, what, what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> so they paid they paid Arsenio to go home, and then he took the money and went. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, we're coming up to the modern era, and. Uh, and you're doing a variety of radio programs yourself previously, right? Uh, yes, I used to be, a, um, like in 99, I was on WKJK 1080, uh, where I came between Dr. Joyce Schlesinger and Dave Ramsey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, uh, and then I was on WLOU uh, a few years back. Um, uh, and uh, just the same format, a talk, talk variety show. Uh, just connecting people and giving people a platform to be to be heard. You know, I had several uh, co-hosts to come on on my show, and then to encourage them to have their own show. They spawned off different shows from my show. So, so uh, and so uh, now you're talking about coming back to radio. Coming back, baby! All right, all right, all right. You know, because it's amazing that that from the the 30s. The 20s, 30s, and the 40s, radio was the popular medium until television started taking over. And like they said in the 80s, that uh, video killed the radio star. But it's so funny now in the 2000s that podcasting is nothing but radio once again come full version to me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, in a radio uh, uh, now with streaming, too, uh I mean, real. You can double, triple, quadruple uh, your reach. Yes. And for people who are interested in a certain kind of message, uh, you know, for good or for ill, uh, you know, uh, like I said, with streaming, it's sort of changed the world. Yes. Uh, but I will say though, with streaming, it sort of improves sound quality because you have, uh, you know, low power uh, FM and low power AM stations, and with the streaming. You can get a good sound quality uh, uh, anywhere, so I think that's that's uh, that's that's so important. But I still like, uh, you know, when I'm on a road trip, I still I love radio, and I like just pushing the button, going up just from station to station, yes. just to see what people are listening to as you're riding through the country. Yes, and. Uh, the talk radio, the country music. There's some really good country music. We got black folks doing country music yes. now, not just Charlie Pride, you right. know. So there's all kind of uh, uh, listen to some of the hip hop, see what they're talking about. Because uh, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I remember when uh, when Cardi B came out, I couldn't understand what, what she was all about. I said, <laughs> "What is that? <laughs> what is that?" Yeah. yeah. And so uh, uh, and then I, I kind of kind of grew to respect her there you go yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I grew to respect her so uh uh you know uh you know it, you just gotta work work with it but uh 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 and then uh uh, and, uh you know and then of course uh, r&b you know hip-hop they they say that, that hip-hop is driving the music industry and uh all over the world and uh sometimes uh uh, of course, when I grew up on hip hop, where you could understand all the words, right. and so uh, 
some of the way the young folk do it now. They kind of muddle the words, and you have to look up the words online. Yeah, but they're <laughs> smart enough to get that rhythm that you're familiar with. Yes, that yes. beat. You know, they 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 don't. You may not understand what they're saying, but you understand that rhythm that, that, that that's connected to you. you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, there's this new lady rapper that's got a hit with an old Mariah Carey beat. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, new energy or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I said, listen, she's got the... Got that old Mariah, Mariah Carey beat, and she's rapping over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. so uh, take a hit to make a hit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so good for her. Yeah, good for her. So uh, you know, everybody needs to get paid. I mean, if if you can do uh, uh, two or three songs when uh, rapping over uh, other people's beats and get a Grammy, go for it. Right. And <laughs> and, and at first, I, I saw an uh, interview with Rick James, and he was he was kind of mad at Hammer for taking his song and uh, um, can't touch this yeah. you know because he used the super freak uh, beat yeah. and Rick James was mad until he saw that royalty check come through <laughs> and uh, he it, it changed his whole game you know because he was in a slump when that song came out but once he started getting them royalty checks he was like, oh, okay. He was like, all right, all right, all right. So there you go. I never will forget MC Hammer in his heyday. I mean, he was wearing the balloon pants and the vest, just like a, just like Aladdin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Hammer was the baddest thing, though, man. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, he could dance, he could dance, and he could move it, you know. So he put on a, a dynamic uh, stage show. He yes. really did. He really yes. did. I mean, yeah, you could listen to it on the radio and you could feel something, but when you saw him do it, either even on TV, his act came across on TV because when yes. he came on Arsenio, he just turned it out. Yes, and, yes. Uh, he was too legit. And so, uh, yeah, but uh, it's funny, a lot of these uh, uh, entertainers, they, they, they're like, I wish I had some of that money I spent. Because remember talking about Hammer and the $40? Yeah. And when the, what is it, like the gold toilet seat? Does yeah. <laughs> Yes. And I was listening to, they've got this 10-part uh, special on Bobby Brown. They're okay. playing on cable now. He talked about when the money was coming in, he would be in the tour bus, and uh, he'd see somebody on the street in a car he liked. He'd stop the bus. He would buy the car from the person on, on the street. Wow. Drive the car and then leave it at the airport. He's like, I wish I had, had some of that money back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but uh, uh, yeah, but a lot of them say that. I wish they had some of their money back. But yeah. uh, I guess when you're, when you know, when you're like nineteen, twenty, you know, uh, under twenty-five, that money's coming in. I guess right. you think it's always going to be coming in. But it's just like life, you know. It's just like being on a job. You think yeah. that the job is never going to end, or whatever. Or just like what we experienced uh, two years ago, you know. Every, life was going right along, and then here comes something to stop everything. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, what you depended on, man, was gone, you know? It changed the world. I mean, people was working from home and not working, and then people sort of reevaluated their lives. They yes. looked at their job, and they say, hey, look, I'm coming in here. I'm not getting paid that much. The boss is treating me like doo-doo. Uh, I can't get the hours I work. Why am I doing this? Right. And the business community is saying, wait a minute, y'all got to come on back and work and say, look, and then the business is a labor shortage. No, there's no labor shortage. It's just America has been underpaid since 1977. Yeah. And from 47 to 77, wages and productivity went up together. Mm. And then in 1977, productivity went up. But wages stopped going up. Mm. They started offshoring the jobs, and yes. then the jobs overseas. Yes. The big companies said, well, we don't want to give out defined benefit pensions anymore because it costs us too much. Right. We want to give people 401ks. Yes. You can't have a defined benefit pension. And we need to get rid of the unions. 
yes and and what we're going to do instead of giving one person a 40 hour uh, a, a, a week uh, we're going to you know uh, 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 you know we're going to you know make everybody work 25 30 hours with no benefits and so everybody going to have to work two to three jobs and uh, 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 and so that's what happened so there's no labor shortage it's uh, labor is disgusted that's what yeah. labor is frustrated labor is upset yeah. and uh and uh, uh, labor is leveraging. Yes. And so uh, people at, at uh, Starbucks saying they want a union. Mm. Uh, uh, there's even doctors saying they want a union because uh, the, the hedge fund managers uh, uh, bought, uh, you know, buying up the insurance companies and the hospital companies and these uh, these huge doctor practices. You know, like a lot of emergency rooms are actually staffed by companies that provide emergency room doctors and the emergency room doctors saying they're not getting paid enough they think they need a union mm. so uh, 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 so uh, you know whenever you have these uh, folks that don't really create anything whenever they take over they want to use their math skills that they learned in the MBA program to try to nickel and dime everybody yeah. and uh, th- that's what they think they're supposed to do and so uh, that's what you got an MBA for, isn't it? So you could nickel and dime the employees. That's what they think. Wow. And so uh, then people get upset. People get upset. Uh, and uh, upset they should be. Yes. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, I mean, uh, as I, you know, I, I said, the reason Hillary lost uh, the campaign is because she never realized that white people was upset because mm. all the white people she knew were doing well. Yeah. She didn't realize that the vast numbers of white people in the country that were unhappy. And the two people that did were Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Mm. And so uh, I remember during that time, I pay attention to things. White people actually said out loud that they were either going to vote for Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. And MSNBC didn't believe them. Mm. They didn't believe them. I believed them. Yeah. They said it. They're looking out at you saying, you know, uh, that I'm not happy and somebody needs to do something. And so, uh, so of course, I'm not sure that uh, the, the something that Donald Trump gave them was what they expected. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Next thing you know, you got January 6th. Ooh. Next thing you know. So it's, uh, yeah, step by step. So, uh, but yeah, we're going back on a lighter note. You Sometimes uh, I was watching this uh, the, uh, 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 the whole Bobby Brown thing. You know, Bobby Brown, uh, he started New Edition, then he got voted out. Right. <laughs> he right. started getting voted out of the group that he started. Yeah. And so it just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think uh, that also happened to Steve Jobs. Well, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's just like Frankenstein, the Frankenstein monster like we was talking about earlier. You know, you created... Frankenstein created a monster, then the monster took over. You hey, know? There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then, uh, of course, that, but the label kept Bobby. So you had New Edition and Bobby on the same label. Bobby does one album, sells 300000 Then the next album, he's like selling a trillion, you know. Next thing you know, he's like the king of the world. And, yeah. like, there was, like, uh, there was a period of time when he was like, uh, you know, like you said, the king of R and B. Well, he had, the, as they said, yeah. he had the, he had kind of a, the hip hop street flavor. Plus, he could do R and B and dance too. Right. 
And so he had the hip hop attitude, you know, in more ways than one. Right. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, sort of took over the world for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> Man, made his mark. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, folks, we're broadcasting from Louisville, Kentucky in just a, just a very few weeks. Was it Derby Day that... Uh, New edition and uh, and Janet Jackson were on the same bill. Out same of, bill. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just that's just uh, you know shows you how things come around. Uh, but yeah, so but uh, you know here we are. We're, folks are trying to get back to normal, and the concerts and the derby and the sporting events that kind of shows your folks trying to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. But then again. We're trying to get back to normal, but they just announced, you know, we, we're coming up on a, losing a million people to COVID. Yes. In the United States of America. C is coming back. And so, but what's interesting, in all, we lost more people from COVID than in all the wars put together. My Lord. All of them. Civil War, World War One, Two, uh, uh, Spanish-American War. Uh, Vietnam, you know, all Korean of, War, all of them, all Iraq. Of them. <laughs> uh, funny thing, big thing in Kentucky is, of course, uh, some of the white folks don't want CRT. They, of course, CRT is taught nowhere uh, in K through twelve, but uh, white folks don't want it anyway. It's critical race theory, which is something that we're not even teaching. But uh, 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 it's funny how history is taught. You know, in Canada. They teach that the United States invaded Canada five times and got beat five times. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, that's the way they teach you. So, uh, uh, so you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so uh, some people are trying to get back to normal, but we just don't know. Uh, and But what is normal? Yeah. You know. What is normal, you know, and I think a lot of people are searching for that, first of all, within themselves. I think 2020 had a lot of that because you was so much you had to go inward. You were so isolated that you had to go deal with yourself. (laughs) You know, you had to spend that time with yourself. And now, you know, you have some sense of where you want to go, but it's still, you know, you're still trying to navigate that thing. And and um, I just feel like. um it's going to take time, you know. It's going to take time because a lot of things are uncertain. We we having, um, you know, food shortages. You know, that's a whole different story right there. You know, uh, the farmers are being affected. Our food uh, supplies are being affected. Uh, gas is going up. Uh, you know, it's a whole lot that you got to navigate. <laughs> exactly. You talking about gas at five dollars a gallon here, and then at eight dollars a gallon in California? How are you gonna make it on eight dollars a gallon yeah. gas? That's ridiculous. And you work seven, and you get paid seven twenty-five an hour. Exactly. Yeah. So the math don't work. You gotta pay half your check to get to work. Right. The math don't work. Yeah. But the math really didn't work in twenty nineteen. That's the problem. Yeah. That's why people were upset. That's how Trump got elected. The math has been wrong since nineteen seventy-seven. The business community really had a choice. Uh, from uh, that whole post-war era, I'm talking about World War II, mm-hmm. there was sort of a standoff between business and labor because you know labor was a big chunk of uh, the workforce. And uh, you know how uh, a lot of times the business community, they wanted to uh, uh, almost work with, uh, you know, as much as they had to. They tried to work with uh, ordinary folk in some respects. 
And then uh, a lot of it was Milton Friedman coming out of the University of Chicago. He said uh, the only thing that really mattered was shareholder value. Mm. And so, uh, you know, there was no such thing as sort of community values, you know, uh, you know, business doing good in the community. The only thing that mattered, according to Milton Friedman, was shareholder value. And if you maximize that, that would essentially benefit society as a whole. Uh, which of course it doesn't. It just benefits shareholders. But uh, yes. uh, so uh, and so the business community really left uh, the rest of the country behind uh, since 1977. And uh, and it's funny about the whole civil rights movement. What the civil rights movement wasn't just about black folks getting the right to vote. In other words, it wasn't just about civil rights. You know, you know, public accommodations, uh, open housing. It wasn't just about that. Martin Luther King, they were talking about, hey, economics. Yes, sir. In other words, the pie is growing. That's what, because it was growing at that time. In the 60s, the pie was growing. And there was a burgeoning middle class from 47 to 77. And black folks were saying, Yes, we want the civil rights. Yes, we want open housing, all that uh, stuff, mm-hmm. civil rightsy stuff. But we want to end on this growing economy. Right. The economy is growing, and we want to grow with it. Right. That's what Martin Luther King was talking about. And so uh, then, you know, people don't, you know, and uh, and so. Uh, and sometimes we forget that, that black folks wanted to get in on it. Yeah. And then as soon as we opened the door to get in on it, they changed what it was. Right. You know, uh, they changed it. They like cut it in half. Mm. <laughs> and we're like, look, so why is it as soon as we get our foot in the door, you got to cut everything in half? Wow. Why you do that? What's so, what's so bad about letting us get in on it too? What's so bad about it? Because there's enough. The pie is growing. Let the pie grow. Let the pie grow. Uh, you know, uh, you know, 1945, 1947, the chief executive made about 12 times more than the worker. Mm. Isn't that enough? Now the chief executive makes 400 more times more than the worker. To whose benefit? That doesn't benefit the country. It doesn't, it doesn't help. All it de- does is have a very small group of people, have a whole lot of money and a whole lot of influence. Uh, you know, uh, with, a, it doesn't help. But with that said, it's 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 that system. It it doesn't matter who's the head of the system. The system is that it's divide and conquer and control. You know, the system creates chaos so it can put somebody in place to create order of the system to me you know and and it's all about controlling the objective it doesn't matter the disaster system, capitalism the, the system <laughs> has an objective and regardless of what and who it stays the course of, to reach that objective you know it doesn't matter who it does no it doesn't matter what it takes stays the course to get that objective and I feel like the only way that you can combat that system or to 
expand on that is using what the system knows and that's the the leverage of economics you know if 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 people can come together to leverage stop buying when there's something like with the shootings the mass killings if people would stop spending for a week just a week or a few days where the system feels that economically then laws and stuff will start changing that's what i just feel that but until that we can come together as a collective just like we came together to march in the streets on different uh things if we can come together and leverage not spending and focus on one thing at a time i think we can make a difference Folks, we've been here with uh, Jerry Crowley, um, his experienced broadcaster, talking about coming over here to 106.5 to do his thing. Uh, 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 Jerry, we look forward because uh, I believe you've got to make four shows for us uh, to start with. And uh, uh, we look forward to those four shows. Uh, and I, they're going to be a half hour or an hour? Uh, it's going to be an hour show. Okay. So I'm going to need you all's help out there so you can email some suggestions to me if you like. <laughs> Where are they going to email it to, Jerry? To the Jerry Crawley Show, and that's at gmail.com. All right, all right. Folks, that's our show. We'll be back next week on The Edge with K.A. Owens.